Alright, well let's go tonight to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. But before we read this passage of Scripture, tonight you are going to have... I need you to think a little bit. I need you to pay real close attention. And I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. Alright, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. And I don't want you all to answer them out loud. But I want you to answer them to yourself. But I want you to think about them before you answer these questions. And I'm hoping through this, I can get a point across tonight. And I have to be... The subject I'm dealing with, I've got to be very careful how I choose my words in this. Because some of the things I might say as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, that could sound really bad if somebody wanted to just take a few words and uh, you know, not get the full context of it. I could get myself in a lot of trouble... And I try to stay out of trouble as much as I can, but I want to, I'm going to ask you all a bunch of questions. I want you to think about these things, and then we'll kind of get into the message after a little bit. But, and this might seem like a really strange thing to talk about, you know, to preach in a message, but I'm going somewhere with this because sometimes we don't really think through a lot of things that we say, we don't think, we don't even think through a lot of things that we believe. There's a lot of things that people believe that they've never even really thought about, or they've got opinions on things, especially politically. There's a lot of things people believe politically that they've they've never actually thought through it, and um, their position is wrong. And I'm talking even about Christian people too a lot of their political views sometimes, and this isn't really a political message, even though uh, hopefully this can help you figure out maybe where you should be politically in in, in a few issues. But uh, the first question I want to ask you tonight is, what if somebody comes to the church, wants to come to this church, that's physically handicapped? There's somebody they want to come here, they've got a physical handicap, the question is, how far should we go to accommodate someone like that? Okay, somebody that can't, maybe they can't walk, they have to be in a wheelchair. Obviously, to make it possible, we need to have, you know, you've got to have certain accessibility. If they've got to go upstairs and stuff to get to the church, you know, to get into a church building, they might not be able to do that. So, how far should we as a church go to making sure things are accessible? For everybody, so they can get in here. And then, the, you know, and then the other question is: Should we be required to accommodate those who are physically handicapped? So now I've got to be very careful with the subject because some of the things I'm going to bring up, people many times that deal with these things can be very sensitive about it. And I'm not trying to be insensitive one bit. I want us to think about some things tonight maybe we've never really thought about before. But should we be required by law to accommodate handicapped people? For example, um, for the first three years here, we were not technically handicap accessible because we didn't have any paved parking. And while you know, it was still possible for them to get here, while we had designated parking spots, it was not technically handicap accessible. It wasn't paved. It was a little inconvenient, and we spent a great deal of money so we could get it to where it was handicap accessible. But the only reason we were even able to do that is somebody coughed up the money for it voluntarily. We didn't have it in the church budget, but we did it. But should we, by law, be required to do that? I mean, is that fair if somebody who has a physical handicap cannot get into our building? So, how, you know, should we, by law, be required? To do that. Because here's the thing too, there's a lot of ways people can be handicapped. Some people are born that way. At my sister's church, they spent a great deal of money adding a whole section onto their building with a ramp because they had one young lady in the church that's quadriplegic. She's never been able to walk, never will be able to walk. And they wanted to make it easy for her to be able to get into the building. Now the law didn't require them to do that. They voluntarily did that. But... Should all churches be required to do that? I mean, that poor girl, she can't help. She was born that way. So should they be required? Which brings me to another question. So what if the handicap, though, is somebody's just morbidly obese because they just ate junk food their whole life? 
Should we be required to help with that handicap? Should we make sure our building can, you know, they can get in? I mean, should we, how far do we go on these things? What if they can't walk? Do we need to put a conveyor belt out there? You know, I mean, you know, how, how far, you know, you know, is there a difference too between somebody who's born with a handicap or someone who brought it on themselves? What if the person who's handicapped got that way because they were drunk driving and they paralyzed themselves? Do we need to help that? Do, are we required to help that person? What if the handicap is a mental handicap? Somebody comes, they, they want to come to church, but they're mentally handicapped and maybe they're not able to behave like the rest of us behave in church. Maybe they're not able to sit still and be quiet. You know, how far should we go to accommodate them? Should we, should we by law be required to accommodate them? I mean, should we as a, I mean, can you imagine a church saying, hey, you, you've got too many problems. You can't come here. Okay? Would that be right to throw somebody out because they're mentally handicapped? But what if that mental handicap was they had real severe Tourette's and would sit in the service and a lot of people with Tourette's sometimes just blurt out cuss words? What if they're just blurting out cuss words right in the middle of service? We've got kids in here. We're trying to think spiritual and somebody's blurting out cuss words. Should we accommodate them? You know, what if, what if, somebody, what if somebody comes... They want to be here at church, but they've got some kind of severe, strange stomach problem that gives them terrible gas. And listen, I don't know if this lady had problems or if she just had bad habits, but there was a lady that used to come to my dad's church that would regularly sit there. I'm trying to think how to appropriately put it and let it rip right there in church. (laughs) And they always kind of sat in the same spot and there was like a an invisible circle around there where nobody sat, <laughs> like a half circle. They kind of sat like where Brother Bob's at, and then a couple, you know, the, the two rows in front of them, off to the side, and the two rows behind. Nobody ever sat there except for visitors, because it was always a wide open spot, and then then you're always embarrassed for the visitors. And uh, yeah, it was it's kind of embarrassing. I, I don't said I don't know if it was a something she couldn't help or she just didn't care. <laughs> you you never know. You get all kinds in church, but you know. You know, would it be appropriate if somebody had that problem to ask them to sit in the back of an auditorium? And if they, if you did ask them to sit in the back of an auditorium, and somebody snapped a picture, let's say in here, we've got all of you, and you know, we got one person way back there, and somebody took a picture and they put it all over Facebook. I have this, and they would, it would, I'm sure, it would have this big long name. You know, you and I would call it severe gas, but it would be some big long scientific name. I had this problem and look where the church made me sit. Well, do you know how bad we would look if we did something like that? Do you I mean, can you imagine, you know, the media problems that would come from that? Cuz they have they have a handicap. They have something that they can't help. You know, would it you know, and then you know, what everybody thinks they have a handicap, all right? Or that's you know, some people are habitually tardy. They're just late for everything. I mean, just always late, and yet they always have some kind of excuse. A lot of times, too, people with you know maybe different physical problems are always late, but you can't say anything about them being late because it was always because of their physical problem. And it's like, well, listen, you're five minutes late every single week. Have you ever thought about leaving five minutes earlier? Okay, yes, you have this physical problem, but that just means you have to leave five minutes earlier than everybody else. You know, you got you got to move. uh, You know, you got you got to work a little harder. You know, I remember. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the excuses I've heard over the years, and that people have used just for you know, it was pretty much just bad character. But they like wanted to act like they had some kind of handicap. I remember one time. We were going to have some teen activity, and there was one of the boys wanted to wear shorts, and I was like, "No, you need to wear pants." And he's like, "Yeah, but he's like, I, I can't wear pants during doing stuff like that." And I said, "Why?" He's like, "Cause when I do, you know, my legs get really hot, and you know, and they get red." And I was like, "Yeah, it's called getting hot. Everybody's does that." That I was like, "That's not a disability. 
you can wear, you can wear pants. You know, but everybody want, everybody has excuses for these things. Everybody thinks that they have some type of special need, and there are some legitimate needs out there. And I'm just going to say right now, I you know I want to get I, I want to be able to accommodate handicapped people. We've got a lot of people around here that ride scooters all over town. That you know what they could they could make it out here to church, and I would like to have those people come and sit in our services. I would like I want to be able to accommodate handicapped people. I want to be able to accommodate whoever we can. We want to get the gospel to as many people as we can. But should we, by law, be required to do these things? And if we are, and at the same time, a lot of times we'll say, "No, we're a church. We shouldn't be required by law to do these things." Okay, but then how about a business? Should Walmart be required to have all the handicapped parking and things they have? Well, yeah, Walmart should have to do that. Okay. Well, what about you? If you want to open up a store, your own private business, do you, should you have to do all those things too? Should you be required by law? And we could, we could go on and on. There are Because here's the thing. There are so many handicaps. There are so many disabilities. There are so many problems that are out there for us to be able to accommodate everybody in the world it just it literally it can't be done can it it really can't be done but what societies have always done and what businesses have always done what people have always done they really what they do is meant to i guess accommodate the majority okay a lot of building codes and things in this building here you we don't have any problem walking in here as far as with the the height of things and stuff. But you know, Brother Todd, whenever he's here, I notice when he walks through that door, he kind of has to duck down a little bit. Now that's not fair. He could hit his head. So should he go and petition the government to make it required by law that in any public building they have at least seven foot clearance? You know, because tall people we don't want them hitting their heads on things. But yet, other groups out there all the time are always petitioning government to accommodate them for their needs, whatever they are. And a lot of times it really hurts businesses. It hurts places. Many churches sometimes have gotten hurt because some group out there felt like they weren't being accommodated and so they went and petitioned the government and the government came in to be the good guy, the one that makes everybody everything fair for everybody and did stuff that cost that church a ton of money. And you know, that whole time, our parking lot wasn't paved. Our city, thankfully, was very good about it. They didn't put pressure on us. They didn't make us do it right away. But did you know that if somebody would have come here and saw that we weren't officially handicapped, one of the reasons, too, we weren't technically handicapped, even though we had handicapped parking spots, our signs were not regulation. Even though everybody in the world knew they were handicapped parking spots, they weren't regulation. And so, we had to get new signs. We couldn't use the old ones. But somebody could have... There's a phone number they could have called. They could have called somebody in Springfield that is getting paid tax money to have this job where they go around and make sure all places have handicapped parking. Because we've got to be fair to the handicapped people. Now listen, I want to accommodate folks who are handicapped. I want to accommodate whoever we can. But should we be required by law to do those things? Now judging from your faces right now, I think you're probably saying, no, we shouldn't. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now, I agree. I want to do. I want to help. You know, we we got that wheelchair for the church in case there's someone that needs it. We want to accommodate people. We want to help. But you know what? It ought to be our choice to do those things. We ought to voluntarily want to do those things. But many times there's groups out there that, I mean, literally put burdens on governments, on businesses, and even on churches that they are not able to bear. And the thing is, you know, you can't help every single disability. You, I mean, there there are so many things out there, and so you know. And I I was thinking a lot about this because I said some of the disabilities I've encountered too. It's like that's not a disability. Now they swear it is. The government says it is. Some of these people too even get you know government benefits. Because 
they're supposedly disabled. And they're not. I mean, you know, they are not. And then, and then those same people want everybody to accommodate them. You know, I, I, I've got anger issues. I'm bipolar. So you need to put up with me if I blow my top. And you're all just supposed to understand. If I yell at you and cuss you out when you did absolutely nothing, not my fault. I'm bipolar. I have this disability. And it's like we've, we're putting all this expectation on everybody else, on majorities, so we can accommodate a small minority. And that doesn't really seem fair, does it? Okay? And I think you all probably agree. And I'm setting you up, folks. All right? I, I am kind of setting you up for something here. So, but I, I do not believe you know, government should be requiring all this stuff. I do believe that you know, so our, you know, they, our society... Businesses, everything, they do things that will appeal to the majority. There's people out there that want to ban peanuts from just about everything because their kid's allergic to peanuts. But here's the thing most people aren't allergic to peanuts. So why ban them? How about you just don't let your kid eat peanuts? Why does the rest of us have to suffer because your kid's allergic? Well, because if they accidentally eat it, they could die. Well, then be careful. Don't penalize everybody else in the world because of your allergy. But people are doing that all the time. I'm allergic to this, so you know all businesses they should not be allowed you know to cook anything that has those, and then they got to put all these warning things on there. And listen, if businesses want to do that, that's fine. If they want to go and you know get rid of anything that's ever touched a peanut out of their restaurant, so they can accommodate people who are allergic to peanuts. That should be up to them. But should the government require that? Absolutely not. And because for most people, it's not a problem. And sometimes you do just have to, you know, or businesses especially, they have the right to think about the majority. They're in, they're in the business of trying to make money, aren't they? They're trying to make money. They want to serve as many people as they possibly can. And so yeah, there's going to be a minority out there that maybe it affects, but if they want to reach that minority, then they ought to have the choice to accommodate them if they want to. And I believe that's the way it should be. But I think I think it's important we think about you know what works for most people. But here's the problem. And go to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. I want to show you something tonight. I want to show you a mindset that was in our Savior that is not in our society today, and it's just it's not in most people, period. Philippians two one. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So so catch this here. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, who is it that's always yelling for people to pay attention to my needs? It's always that minority, isn't it? It's that one person that gets inconvenienced they're always asking everyone else in society to be penalized because of their problem. They want everybody else in society to bear a burden because of their problem. And does this passage not apply to them too? I mean, honestly, if we each esteem other better than themselves, then that, to me, the person you know, who is that exception is being the most selfish when they try to get everybody to change for them. It would be like me as a pastor saying, you know what? I know most of the people in this church like cheese, but I am banning cheese from church fellowships. I'm banning it. I looked up cheese in the Bible to see if there's anything against it. Cheese is in the Bible, mentioned three times in the Bible. I couldn't find anything against it. But um, I'm still working to see if I can find some way to twist the Scriptures. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and get away with it. But... That would be selfish, wouldn't it? Because what am I? Because most people like it, so why would we ban it? Okay. Now, if we were a church that was full of former Jews, 
that still struggle with pork, it would be it, I could see maybe a bunch of former Jews getting together. It's like let's let's not do pork, okay? But if we have one Jewish family come here, should that Jewish you know that's converted, should just because they're still hung up on their old dietary regulations, should we you know should they ask us to not serve any pork just so we don't offend them? Now, if we decide we want to do that, that's fine. But do they have any right to ask that? Should they be putting that kind of demand on everybody else? Should they be asking everybody to change everything they do just because of them? You see, what we do in society today, we try to you know, penalize the masses and the majorities for one person. You know, another thing too that's real big out there is there there is a big you know there's a lot of groups out there that are real big on you know women should be allowed to breastfeed in public. Okay? Now listen, I don't think they ought to make laws against it. But a majority of people are very uncomfortable around that. Okay? And as a church, I'm not you know, we're not gonna put a ban on something like that, but you know what? I think most of us here are would be uncomfortable if you know, a woman's doing that, especially uncovered. And they all say, you know, we shouldn't have to be covered. And you know what? Fine. You know, we'll give you that. But listen, you're going to make everybody else uncomfortable. That's just called thinking about yourself and ignoring everyone else. Doesn't the Bible say let each esteem other better than themselves? And so who cares if it's okay, if it's right, if it's normal, if it's natural? It's all those things. I understand that. But think about how you're affecting everybody else. Okay? Body odor, for example. You know, we ought to be sensitive to those things. Why? Because if we stink, we're going to you know, inconvenience everybody else. But can you imagine if somebody came to this church that smelled really bad and somebody dared say something about that to them? How dare that church have a problem with me stinking? You see what's happening? People get so caught up on themselves in their own little world that they are completely unwilling to do anything to help accommodate other people. And the Bible says, look, not every man on his own things. Okay, We all have our own unique situations for everything, don't we? We all have things that maybe are a little harder for us than other people. We all have the things that we don't like. We all have our little phobias, don't we? We all probably, you know, we all maybe have our our allergies or our uh, whatever. We've all got different things that's an issue for us. And what we should just do, I said, you know, Bible says esteem others better than themselves, but our society wants to make everybody suffer for their little problem. One of the th- uh, many people who have, I remember when the Obamacare thing was. Going on, I remember listening to somebody one time who had a child that had some very severe medical problems that they were born with that they could not help. They were talking about how you know there should be universal health care for everybody because our son is born with this problem and there is no way we could afford to pay for all those medical bills. Okay, now I I understand that, but listen, most people don't have that problem. And so just be you are when a person that says that is clearly thinking only about themselves and their own unique situation, aren't they? And the rest of us, you know, that are have healthy kids, we're just cold, heartless, mean people, aren't we? But I, and and listen, I'm not saying as a society we can't be a help. I'm not saying the government never should do anything for anybody. I'm not saying any of that, but what I am trying to say is these minorities that are out there, okay, these small numbers of people, they are always putting demands on everybody else, wanting everybody else to bend, wanting everybody else to change to help their unique small situation. And everybody is different. You know, should parks not be built because handicapped kids maybe can't play there. Maybe there's, you know, there's some kids here in town, they can't climb those steps to go down the slide. Why should, they, why should my kids get to play in the park when there's other kids that can't? How is that fair? How about this? 99% of kids can play at that park. So why should we not have a park because 
1% can't. You see how selfish sometimes that 1% can get? And I'm, I'm being very careful how I choose my words because, boy, you know, Pastor Tommy, he's against handicapped people. No, I'm not. I'm for him. I want to help. Okay? I, I really do. I want to accommodate, but I'm just trying to say minorities have no business trying to impose things on the majorities, on the masses because of their own unique circumstances. You know, should sports stop being played? Because some kids can't play them. You know, should you know schools ban kickball because some kids can't kick? You know, should and then where do you draw the line there? Okay, well what if all right, you got one kid that's you know disabled or whatever, and I, you know what and I'm thinking you know, I think it's okay, I think it's great they have things like the Special Olympics for people that are handicapped and stuff. And you know what? You watch those Special Olympic people. Those people are not like what I'm talking about. These are Many of those people are extremely exceptional people that have overcome huge obstacles and have gone... I mean, they could beat me in, sport, in a lot of these sports who am not handicapped. I mean, I am amazed at what some of these people can do. You know why? Because they don't sit around acting like a victim, acting like everybody needs to accommodate them. They've learned to work through the problem that they have. And you know what? They can't do what the people in the main Olympics can do, but they can still do amazing things above even average people many times. But at the same time though, alright, so yeah, we've got Special Olympics, you know, but what about people who... They don't have; they're not technically handicapped, but they're just not naturally gifted or very coordinated. Well, that's not fair. Why should they have to deal with getting beat down in all the sports just because they weren't born as tall as the other basketball players? See, things can't be perfectly fair in this world, can they? It just it can't happen, and we shouldn't penalize the majority for the minority. But pretty much everything we have today, it is. It's made to accommodate majorities. Buildings are built the way they are, that they figure this is going to work for most people. Restaurants make their food in ways that they think most people will like this. You know, entertainers, they make movies and things that they feel this is what most people will watch. You know, why don't they make more, you know, independent fundamental Baptist movies? You know why? Because there's not that many of us. They're not going to make very much money. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to make worldly movies because there's a lot more worldly people than there are Christian people. And so they're going to keep on doing that. So, But should we go around petitioning the government to make Hollywood do more Christian movies? I wish they'd do less Christian movies. The Christian movies they're doing are terrible. But and then, but at the same time though, you know, whenever... You know, should we start demanding that they have more independent fundamental Baptists in TV shows, have fundamental Baptist characters in there? Because you know what? Black people do that all the time, demanding that they have more black characters. I mean, all the time we see it now on television, all the time, they're taking characters that have always been white, and when they do remakes, they turn them into black because they're supposed to have more black people. And not only did they do that, but the homosexual crowd did it too. Almost every almost every TV show now, they make sure they have homosexual characters portrayed in those shows. They demand that they do that. They want to be represented. And they are a tiny minority. There's more fundamental Baptists than homosexuals, yet they're on every single TV show, and you can't find us on none of them. And if you do, they make us look like a bunch of nutcases. <laughs> How is that fair? And so, should we petition the government to you know make Hollywood show more and make sure they cast us in a positive light? Should we do that? No, no, we're not going to do that. They can do whatever they want. They are in the business of making money, making movies. They are going to appeal to the majorities. And here's the thing: so, you know, should minorities? Go around demanding everyone accommodate them. Now, I believe the answer is no, but here's the thing though. Every minority has the right to ask groups, you know, to ask them and share their needs 
and let them know what they desire, but then they need to remember they're a minority and just be thankful for whatever they get. And that sounds terrible. But if somebody comes here to the church and maybe there's a setup here, or there's something, it's a problem, maybe it's just a problem for one person, they have every right to ask us as a church, hey, could we do something to fix this? And we should definitely want to do that, shouldn't we? But you know what? We might have to say, sometimes we might have to say no. We're just, we're not capable. We don't have the money. And, but every minority has a right to ask. There's nothing wrong with them doing that, but then you just, you just have to shut up. Okay, me, I hate, I hate cheese. Okay? And so, you know, this is my, you all can make whatever you want for fellowships and put cheese on whatever you want, as long as you don't make me eat it. You know, just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask. You know, when people are making hamburgers and stuff, you know, it's like, hey, if they're grilling them, hey, could you make sure you don't put cheese on one of them? I have the right to ask. And I'm preaching to myself here too because I've thrown the biggest fits in the world because like when we've gone to my in-laws and stuff, they've made food that I can't stand and I'm the only one that can't stand it. But you know what? Us minorities, <laughs> we, we do. We like to throw fits when we don't get what we want. How dare... They think of everybody else and not think of me. That's what we're really saying, isn't it? That's what we're really saying. And I'm still going to, I'm, st- I'm going to set you all up here in just a little bit. And after sharing all this, I'm going to ask you a few more questions that we probably, we've probably never really thought about before. There's a lot of things that Christian people say, right? Don't think they just, they ever really thought about it. So, you know, our governments, our churches, our businesses, are they morally obligated to give minorities what they want. And I said, I think following Philippians 2, we ought to each esteem other better than themselves. I think if someone comes in and they have a need, we ought to treat that person as important. Okay? If somebody comes in and they have a need, and we were to say, you know, they don't give very much money. So who cares if we don't give them what they want? And then somebody else comes in that has a need, oh man, they give a lot of money in the church. Now, that would be wrong if we played it that way. Okay? But, not only are we to esteem others better than themselves, they need to do the same thing too. They need to be willing to say that you know, I am the only one this affects. Therefore, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. And I, I've known people like that. I knew one person. They used to be late for everything. And I would leave without them. And they would get mad at me for being selfish and self-centered and uncaring and uncompassionate. And I remember finally one time I said, wait a minute, there was 20 other people that all showed up on time, that all did what they were supposed to do. And you wanted to make all 20 people late because you couldn't get here in time. Who's being self-centered? Everybody else did what they were supposed to do and you, you, you one person, you're asking me to forget about the majority and just think about you because you can't do what you're supposed to do? How is that not self-centered? And that is very self-centered, isn't it? But we rarely think of it that way because we, this is, you know, right here in this body right here, this is as big as some people's worlds get. It's just themselves. And it, they do not look outside at other people. They don't realize sometimes what they are asking people to do. And we need to think about stuff like that. You know, hey, what am I, what am I asking of these people? What, do you, what am I making them put up with? What am I making them have to deal with? And so, you know, politically speaking, I think we should be for small government. See, part of the problem in our country today we have there's 318 million people in this country, and we have a like less than a, really a thousand people in Washington making decisions for the whole country, and most of the decisions that are being made in this country are focused on small minorities. So they're hurting the masses to help small minorities. And listen, small minorities I, I believe should be helped, but something as big as our government 
can't do it. It needs to be done by local governments. What works in Illinois does not work necessarily work in California or New York or Florida. We have 50 states in this country. And what works in Rock Falls might not work in Chicago. You know, that's why we've got we're supposed to have localized governments, aren't we? To make cuz every place has different needs and those smaller places they can focus on the needs of their community and one big government just can't do it all and if it, hopefully this will at least help you know where you should be politically. Go for the small government guy, okay? The small government, you know, I'm going to say a bad word, but I think we ought to be looking a little closer to some of these libertarian people. I know, you know, we're supposed to go for the conservative Republican. I don't think there's any such thing. I know there's some that pretend to be, but most of them are fake. But that's that's another subject. I don't want to get too political tonight. But so here's the big question. So, or how should governments and businesses accommodate us as a minority? And this is where I've been leading y'all to, because us as true believers. We are a minority in this country, are we not? We are a minority. So how should the government and businesses accommodate us? Should restaurants not play music that we are against? Because here's the thing. In restaurants, what do they usually play? They, most of those stations are like the big hits or whatever is the most popular in the country. That's mostly what's being played right now. That's why you go to every single restaurant, they're all playing the same stupid songs, the same stupid songs I gotta listen to at Walmart all the time. You know why? Because that's what most people like. But I can't stand it. So do I have a right to go and petition them and say, hey, you need to start playing Christian music? Because this stuff's sinful, it's of the devil, and I don't like it. Now, when I was at Walmart, I threw a fit about their music there. But I didn't even bring up Christian music. I didn't preach to them against the evils of rock and roll. The only reason I brought it up is because their music they were playing had profanity in it, which was a direct violation of their policy there at Walmart. And so I made sure I used that against them. But I didn't even bring up the music that I like. And you know what? They got rid of the profanity lay stuff, but the stuff they're still playing, I'm 100% against. It offends me as a Christian, but you know what? I talked to her there about it. Out of all those people that work there, I was the only person that's ever complained about that and brought that up. So should there's like over a thousand people or almost a thousand people I think that work there. So should I make them play the music that I'm gonna be the only one that likes with well, me and Prince now, right? <laughs> so there's two of us, so we're working we're working on it. But should do I have the right to demand that? They they would all hate my music. And most of them like that trash that's out there. So should I? But but you don't understand, brother Tommy. You're right because your standards are Christian and they're and they're biblical and they're they're godly. Yeah, but most of the people I work with are lost and they're ungodly and they don't give a rip about the Bible, just like most of this country. So do we have the? So how should they accommodate us? Should stores should should a store's employees? Only dress in ways that aren't offensive to us. Should we go and demand that stores follow our standard of dress? Should we go and demand that they stop selling clothing that we don't believe people should wear? Should we do that? Because here's the thing. That's what most people want, isn't it? Isn't that what accommodates the most people? So... Now, I think we have the right to ask, like, hey, could you could you all get like a modest clothing section? You know, could you all get a section for decent, normal human beings? <laughs> we have the right to ask, but you know what? If they think you know we wouldn't make enough money, they're not going to do it. Now, if there was enough people that wanted that stuff, if you go out into Mormon country, they've got all kinds of stores with all kinds of modest clothing out there. You know why? Because that's that's what they all wear out there. Because they're a majority out there. But out here, they're probably not going to do it. So, you know, do we have the right to demand that? Should we petition the government to require employers give us every Sunday off for church? 
Because we're Christians. You ought to go to church on Sunday, shouldn't you? So should we should we do that? You know, should that be a law that Christians don't have to work on Sundays? Now listen, if you find a place that you want to get a job, I think it's totally appropriate to go and say, Hey, can I make can I have Sundays off? And if you can work it out, great. You have the right to ask. But you know what? They probably should have the right to say no too. Because here's the thing, most people don't mind working on Sundays, do they? And if we petition the government to say, demand that businesses don't make us work on Sundays, then what if the Jews want to say, alright, well we don't want to have to work Saturdays because that's our Sabbath. And then, what if the Muslims say, hey, well fine, we don't want to have to work Fridays because that's our Sabbath. Well, now what are businesses supposed to do? They can't, you know... And then, somebody joins some cult and maybe their Sabbath is Thursdays. You know, I mean, you, you can't make it work for everybody, they're going to do what works for the majority. That's just the way it's done. And you know, So, you know, are the rules different for us though? Because we're right. Because don't... I mean, doesn't everybody think they're right? I mean, even the homosexual crowd thinks they're right. Okay? But, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Does a majority of our country believe the Bible? And I know we were founded as a Christian nation. You know, we were, yes, yeah, we had, we were founded with Christian principles and everything. But here's the thing: Are we today? No. I mean, that boat's long since set sail. I mean, how many thinks even a, a majority of our Congress is saved? Please don't raise your hand. I mean, I sometimes wonder if any of them are saved. I, I, I really do. I wonder if any of them are saved. And you, we know they, if, even if they're saved, we know their backslidden is all get out. They don't believe the Bible. So, as a minority, how should we go about getting what we want? And I've gone, I've gone long. I'm going to go through this quick. But politically speaking, I believe we need to be for small government. I think that's one of the best things we do is be for small government across the board. We have too few people ruling over way too many people in way too many areas that they have no business even being involved in. So when you vote, vote for the small government guy, okay? And go libertarians. I shouldn't say that. I'll get in trouble for that, but that's okay. Biblically speaking, though, what should we do in our own personal lives? Okay, we've we've got to recognize who we are, and that's really the title of this message: understanding our place in the world. We are the minority. What the way we live, what we believe, is contrary to a majority of our world, to a majority of our country, to a majority of our own community. And so, what should we do? First of all, I believe do whatever you can possibly to get along with people without violating any of God's laws. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 says, uh, 14, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. It's very clear in the Bible they had a minority mindset. That we are the outsiders here. And you know what? Do what you can to live peaceably with all men. Don't recompense evil for evil. In other words, don't balance the scales. I understand that we are right in what we want. But you know what? It's not our place to make every, to get everybody right, to make everybody right. God's the one that's going to make things right. We're going to get treated unfair sometimes. And you know what? We've got to let God deal with that. We've got to let God balance the scales. We've got to bless them that curse you. We can't act superior. We see that in that passage. We can't avenge ourselves. And do not try to force everyone to be who you are even if you're right. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, it, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. 
For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. We've got to set the example. We can give the commandments. We can preach it. But we can't make anybody do it. Our laws... And this actually lines up with the Bible. But our laws do not allow us to force our religion on people, do they? We cannot make Walmart become a Christian company. You know, most of us would be like, yeah, they should let people have Sundays off, but not Saturdays. You know, because the Jews are wrong. And yeah, they are, but uh, first of all, said our laws, we're not allowed to force them to be a Christian. You know, uh, we're not allowed to force religion on people. And I believe if a majority of our nation still was Christian and still did these things, I think businesses and governments would reflect. But listen, businesses and governments, they reflect our society as a majority, and it's not looking pretty. Okay? Businesses are, are going downhill uh, fast, our government is, and it's because our society is. But God didn't even force salvation on us, did He? He offered the gift, but He didn't make us take it, did He? He didn't make us get saved. God used the Holy Spirit to draw us to salvation. And we need to do whatever we can to draw others to the truth, but they cannot be forced. And biblically biblically speaking, this... Because once again, oh, we're Americans, we're Americans, we're Americans. Wait a minute. Biblically speaking, this is not our nation, is it? Biblically speaking, because America is a part of this world, isn't it? So... We need to try to be a good influence on America. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We don't have time to go through all these passages, but verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. Surely he's above everybody else, better than everybody else, but he called himself a servant to all. He served other people. Not just saved people, lost people, so he could reach them with the Gospel. And we've got to understand, we need to try to be a good influence on this country. He said to them that are without the law, or verse 20, He said unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak, weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And so we see there that it's okay to kind of go along with the society as long as you don't break any of God's laws. And Paul never did that. He became like others, but without breaking God's laws. He didn't violate any of God's commandments to do it. He became a servant of all. He lowered himself. He brought himself down in a sense so he could be a good influence, so he could reach people with the Gospel. And yet, many Christian people today, we're acting like these goofy minorities out there just demanding things, you know, just protesting stuff, just acting like goofballs, trying to force something on society that they don't want. And that's not even how it's supposed to be done. We are not to force our religion on people. We definitely want to be a good influence. But earthly speaking... Earthly speaking, we are citizens of America, but spiritually, the Bible says you're strangers and pilgrims and foreigners. Now, how would you all like it if some foreigners came to this country and started demanding things from our country? Well, wait a minute, that's kind of happening, isn't it? Don't and we all that happens, you know, you have the immigrants and stuff that come here illegally, start demanding all these benefits and things from the government, and we hate that, don't we? But yet, we are strangers and pilgrims and foreigners. But because we're right, all of a sudden now we have the right to go to our governments demanding things? Listen, we don't belong here. We don't fit in. And I think that's why we struggle with this as Americans because of our history of this being a Christian nation. We've forgotten that even though America was founded as a Christian nation, this was never truly our home. We are strangers, pilgrims, and foreigners. And so why are we trying to force our ways on another nation? We are not truly citizens 
of this country. Earthly speaking, we are. But we would, you know, we wouldn't go to Iran and expect them to roll over and accommodate us if we were there just because we are us. And the truth is, we are just as much strangers in America today, just as if we would be if we went over to Iran. And you know, I think it's time we understood our place and started practicing being wise as serpents and harmless as doves and went back to just rounding people up to be part of that heavenly kingdom. I said, I, I, I do believe our history as a Christian nation, it got us out of that mindset that we're strangers and pilgrims on this world. And we've got too many people back trying to take back Washington for Christianity. And it's not going to happen. You know why? Because we've lost Christianity in our own communities. We've let the majorities go to the devil because we're not reaching the people in our own areas and a majority of our nation is not saved, are not Christians, even if they might claim to be. You know, And it has nothing to do with Washington. It has everything to do with the churches and with the believers in this country. We've gotten the wrong mindset. And I'm not going to go on a crusade to go back and recapture Washington for Christ. I want to recapture my own community for Christ. And if we would do that as a whole and get go back to that local church mindset, we could get this back to where we were a majority Christian nation. And guess what our laws would reflect? The laws of a majority Christian nation. And so I hope that this help you. You got this tonight. That I wasn't picking on these other minorities and things. I'm for them. I care about them, but understand that we are a minority and sometimes we think just because we're right and because we're Christians, we can make demands on people that we would be very offended if they made on us. And so I hope this will help us just understand our place in the world. So with that, let's all stand together. Our heads bowed and eyes closed.